Welcome to Rates and Barrels, episode number 86. It is Tuesday, April 14th. Derek Van Riper here with Eno Saris. On this episode, we'll discuss one of the latest rules modifications as part of the ongoing proposals for Major League Baseball to play some sort of a season. Uh, that would be the inclusion of the DH in both leagues. We'll talk about who would benefit most on each NL team if that scenario were to play out. Uh, before we begin, you know, I think it would be appropriate to congratulate our friends over at the Sleeper and the Bus. They did knock us out of the baseball pods uh, tournament bracket in the Sweet 16 round on Monday evening. So a uh, hearty congrats to our friends, Paul Sporer, Jason Collette, and Justin Mason for their victory. And good luck to them as they continue moving through the tournament. Yeah, no, a nice a nice wave to our uh our uh, our friends over there at Sleeping the Bus and a uh, and a hearty shake of the fist to the organizers for putting us uh in the same bracket so early and giving us such a low seed. I should have been a <clears throat> number 1 seed. But um anyway, uh uh it was a fun exercise for us uh, so far and and uh it'd be fun to see who comes out on top of that. Uh definitely rooting for uh Paul Spore and Justin Mason and and Jason Collette. Uh, as they go forward. Absolutely. Lots of great shows still battling it out in the final eight, so be sure to check out at Baseball Pods on Twitter if you'd like to have your say in how that thing plays out. Uh, let's start with our first topic, though, the DH in both leagues. This is something that was kicked around last winter as a possible late offseason adjustment. It never really seemed realistic to me then because it just seems like the kind of thing that would have to really uh, be agreed to in a CBA. Even if the commissioner could push it through, it just seems like it'd be uh, a really bad step towards the next negotiation if something like that were to happen. But given these circumstances, given that if the league is basically realigned based on geography, if teams are playing at their spring training homes where you have the NL basically becoming the Arizona League and the AL, let's call it, becoming the Florida League, the teams in each league are totally mixed up. And there's a lot at play here because... Aside from having a mix of teams that traditionally have the DH and traditionally don't, you also have this concern that in whatever kind of season we might get, pitchers are going to be especially vulnerable. You and I have talked about that a lot, and everything kind of ties in with our first two topics. But one way to protect the pitchers a little bit is to not have them hit. Uh, it also fixes the rules problem, too. So from a basic common sense standpoint, I think this makes a lot of sense. Is there anything about this that doesn't seem like a good idea to you? I'm not a militant uh, universal DH supporter. I think I'm a, a sort of a soft <laughs> DH supporter. I think I feel like I, I can see both sides of the issue in terms of the, how the game has been played, the, the, the history of the game, uh, the idea that these are athletes that should be able to perform all of the the things on the field. We don't have, uh, for example, designated fielders. It's not football where you kind of have a whole different uh, group of guys run out to do different things. Uh, you know, baseball has been more one where you have to be able to do all things. But at the same time, the cat is out of the bag. And in this age of specialization, I feel like... You know, we have we have pitchers that haven't hit. Like, uh, who was it? Andrew Suarez. He's this lefty in the Giants organization, and he'd uh, he played in a high school that had a DH. And in the minor leagues, for the most part, uh, pitchers don't hit. 
So when Andrew Suarez first hit for himself in the major leagues, it was like the third at bat that he'd had in like the last 10 years. Now, that's not going to turn out good for anyone. Like, it's not enjoyable to watch. He has very, very low likelihood of doing anything. And it's just not good TV. It's just not that much fun. I, I, I don't think there's that much. You know, as, as fun as like Granky and Bumgarner can be, they are the best hitters among all pitchers, and they would be the worst hitter on any team. Yeah, that's the thing that always kind of sticks out to me is that even when they have a, a good year, which is in such a limited number of plate appearances because they're starters to begin with, their overall numbers are still like a utility infielder at best. And those are the guys that we don't want to watch hit at all. Those are the guys who are there because they play great defense. Um, so the occasional you know Madison Bumgarner home run, while that's exciting, the overall picture here is still one where I'd rather have Brandon Woodruff healthy as a pitcher than hitting the occasional bomb, right? Like that's just, yeah. if those are my two choices, I'd, I'd choose Woodruff pitching exclusively every single time, even though, yeah, it is kind of fun to watch him hit. There are other fun guys to watch hit, and the guy that replaces every pitcher in the lineup is going to be a better hitter than the pitcher was. So the universal DH is something I've wanted more and more over time. Yeah. I didn't care about it as much 10 years ago as I do now. I think it's because the team I root for has had a lot of injuries with pitchers running the bases, getting out of the batter's box, swinging the bat, and after a, a while, it just grinds you down. And I just think, given the unique nature of what this season will look like if we get one, it's going to be really important to do anything you can to minimize the number of ways pitchers can get hurt. Yeah. Yeah, so Madison Bumgarner, most people think of him as the best hitter, the best hitting pitcher in baseball. Uh, he's now had 679 plate appearances spread out over all his, his seasons. His line is 177, 228, 303, with a 6% walk rate and a 38% strikeout rate. So, yes, he has 19 homers. Congratulations. Basically, he sells out for homers in a way that like is just not nobody else would do <laughs> like nobody nobody else would put that hitter in their lineup so uh, i i um i think i'd rather see better hitters and in this specific situation it makes all the sense in the world because not only are we trying to protect uh pitchers from injury and dealing with uh, weird schedules and uh, trying to to put you know, put two teams together and not worry about, you know, do they have DHs and all that stuff and who's going to play under what rules and we, like what house are they playing in? You know, like who's who's the home team, right? That's actually part of it, right? Like who's the home team? <laughs> well, yeah, in, in the all Arizona plan, yeah, half the teams don't even have a home right? in that circuit. So, yeah, they're in a completely different situation. It's sort of like when the Lakers play the Clippers, right? I mean, right. like. <laughs> same same arena. Uh, one team is a home team, and it's declared ahead of time. Yeah, we just you just declared ahead of time. But that would be the kind of lame to just be like, okay, we're declaring these, th so therefore it's 
AL rules, so therefore you have a DH. I mean, and so the the obvious answer, if they don't do universal DH, is to give everyone an extra roster spot to deal with the situation, right? So now you're giving them an extra roster spot to deal with the situation. Probably giving them a roster slot or two uh, to deal with the pitching situation. Um, now you're going from 26 to 29. Might not make it an even 30. Okay, you got 30 man rosters. Why not have a universal DH now? Now you've got the extra roster slot. Everyone's got that slot, like. You know, it makes everything so much easier. Uh, and there's a there's and for for the uh, for baseball as a, as a union, the, the players association, the union, they've always fought for the DH because it could be an extra roster slot. So they got that 26 extra roster slot. If they go to 30, but also institute the universal DH, maybe when all this comes goes away, we go back to 27 as a as a thing. And everyone's got 13 pitchers and a, uh, and a full time DH slot. Yeah, and, there'd be uh, a few hitters whose careers come to an end in their mid to late 30s who'd probably get a couple more seasons in if both leagues had the DH. Yeah, yeah, but just because there's more demand. Um, they, certain AL teams will always just use that as uh, a, like a slot where they just kind of rotate people through. Um, you know, that's kind of uh, what the Rays do to an extent. Uh, the Yankees... Um, before Stanton were kind of a team that just kind of used that for days off and just just slotted one of their extra hitters in there. Um, but you know, I, I certainly think that DHing is a skill. And just to from watching David Ortiz from some research that's out there, there is the chance that DHing is a skill. And I think you've seen some of the better uh, American League teams kind of settle upon everyday DHs. Now, if you look at the top of the DH pile, it's the Astros with, with Alvarez. J.D. Martinez with the Red Sox, Nelson Cruz with the Twins, now Stanton with the Yankees, Otani with the Angels. These are all full-time DHs. Jorge Soler with the Royals, uh, even Edwin Encarnacion now with the White Sox. Like You have to go all the way down to the Rays at number nine to get a situation where it's a timeshare. So uh, if you were a guy that wanted to to get a job right now, um, you know, you you wouldn't get it with the Rays, so you you got to hunt a little bit further down, right? Uh, and you get all the way to uh, the Mariners at, with Vogelbach. They'll probably say they're fine. And then there's a funny thing that happens around 12. Uh, there's an NL team in the top 15 at DH. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty weird. In fact, there's two. Can you guess them? Let's see. Based on like previous eligibility or just how this would all play out depth charts as they stand now Fangraphs dh depth charts number 13 and number 15 are national league teams hey wouldn't kyle schwarber just become a dh that'd be kind of like a well you're you're thinking ahead i'm thinking as they stand now now who are they uh the dodgers depth and the nationals with kendrick and zimmerman yeah, okay, that makes sense. So Enrique Hernandez, Chris Taylor, Matt Beattie, AJ Pollock, Jock Peterson, that's the old school DH approach, you know, just cycling through. So if the I think, you know, now you start talking about who wins if, you know, there is a DH. I think the Dodgers, it's a weird situation. I think the Dodgers win as a group. You know, every worry that you had about sort of about Gavin Lux or AJ Pollock or Jock Peterson, you know, or even if you were rooting for Matt Bay to get more playing time, each of those guys gets an extra, you know, what, 58, 50 PA or something. Something that makes it's it's not a lot, but it's enough to be like, 
okay, I'm a little bit, I feel a little bit better about Gavin Lux now because now Max Muncie can play some DH and so on and so forth. Yeah, so let's go team by team through the NL and we'll go alphabetically by team nickname because things are weird. So I'm going to do something weird. It's just the way the, the Rotowire depth charts page populates them when you click on NL. Mm. Uh, but the Braves, okay, so Austin Riley, who defensively is probably not going to be an above average third baseman. Uh, I think he's the kind of guy that plays a lot more in this scenario. Nick Markakis doesn't have a spot to call his own. Uh, Johan Camargo, who's competing with Riley at third base, you know those those guys have basically one starting spot for the trio, and they'd have two in this scenario. So I think that would that's where the playing time would go. But even breaking it down within that group is a little bit tricky. I think a lot rides on just how much Riley hits. If he hits, he's an everyday player. If he doesn't, he's a part time player. Yeah. Yeah, but I do think that it uh, pushes the needle up on him the most because Camargo, you know, if there is a DH, I think it easily becomes sort of Camargo plays third just because the defense is going to be better, you know. And then Riley, uh, maybe Duvall and Marquecas, uh sort of shuttle in uh, with the one outfield spot and the DH spot. Yeah, so I, I think Riley would be the player who I'd be upgrading the most in this scenario from the break. Right, because he has chart. more upside than the other guys, uh, than Duval and Marcakis. And if anybody really stoked, you know, had claim to, to a full-time slot out of those three, I think Riley's the, the, the guy who has the best chance to do that. Yeah, I mean, as the youngest player, too, you don't want to have a guy that young playing part-time if he's playing well enough to play more than that. Uh, let's talk about the Brewers. I, I think with the outfield being crowded, thanks to the addition of Avisail Garcia... Ryan Braun, who just oh. doesn't seem like a first baseman at all, I think would just be the regular DH. Like they would oh, occasionally that would be such a win for him. I mean, they would occasionally give Yelich a day to DH. They'd occasionally do the same thing with Keston Hira, maybe with like a ground ball pitcher on the mound, like a Brett Anderson start here and there. They'd mm-hmm. throw Brock Holt in at second base instead and and play up the defense a little bit. But that would be Ryan Braun getting as much playing time as he can physically handle, whereas. Without the DH, I think he's probably playing four times a week and coming off the bench twice a week. I'm doing a fun piece right now with Keith Law that's kind of an explainer of the tools. And we tried, you know, he tries to go through the scouting description of what the tools are. And then I do, uh, like, talk about the statistics that try to capture those tools. And uh, I didn't realize before this exercise how bad Keston Hira is on defense. It's weird, and I don't know if it's if it's a, a situation where he can't get better. I, I wouldn't. I think it's hard to say it about any player. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't watch him play defense and say he's hopeless. He'll never be a good defender, but he has a ton of work to do. Weird. I mean, we're talking like Marcus Simeon volumes of work to do, wow. and probably not the ceiling because he's not a shortstop right now, right? Like Marcus Simeon had basic ability at some point in his career that maybe we'll say hey, this guy's a shortstop, and mm-hmm. he worked really hard, and he became a great shortstop. With Keston here, it was kind of like, hey, we hide guys at second base. Second <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean... As a second baseman, I, I know what you're talking about. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> could, he, could he become passable? I think so. He makes a ton of throwing errors. Like, that's the... Uh-huh. And that was Ryan Braun's problem earlier in his career. If anyone remembers Ryan Braun as a third baseman earlier in his career, I don't remember him having terrible range. I remember him just airmailing throws and just being all over the place trying to make plays 
from that position. That's but, a little bit of what I see with young Keston Hira at second. Imagine what imagine the 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 the, the how broad the spectrum of, of outcomes for this year is for Ryan Braun. There's there and none of these are like tiny possibilities. There's there are large possibilities that he's played the last game that he's ever played as a brewer. You know? Yep. There are large possibilities that he plays, but plays like part time and is kind of a replace, like just kind of like a bet, a depth, a, a depth, yeah, bench depth piece. <laughs> um, and then there's a possibility he's like the full time DH in in like Arizona, just launching homers. They're equal, like one third each outcome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At least they feel that way. <laughs> maybe, that maybe way. there's maybe the distribution's not nearly that even. But yeah, as we sit here today in the middle of April, each yeah. of those scenarios, I'm just nodding along, like, yep, could see that. We're, we're a little yep. low on hope. Maybe we're overrating the uh, the chance that he's played his last game. But uh, uh, hopefully, in the next few weeks, will will give us that hope, and he'll it'll it'll go towards Ryan Braun launching dingers in Arizona. Oh, you. you you're just you're speaking my language. Uh, <laughs> so I think Garcia kind of indirectly also wins because he's one of the guys who lose. I think Garcia loses more time than Yelich doesn't lose any mm-hmm. in their current configuration. I think Kane, they're going to manage a little more carefully because of his age. But I think Garcia ends up being underpriced in drafts as well if the DH spot is there for Braun because that's fewer yeah, times that Garcia has to sit to accommodate him. There's a little bit of a, this the Dodgers thing that's going to happen for any every every NL team, which is there's a little slight uptick for everybody, right? So Ben Gamble will play a little bit more. Uh, Justin Smoke will play a little bit more. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe even Brock Holt will play a little bit more. So, like, there's there, there's a lot of players that will get a little bit of a boost. But I, I, I think we can agree that Ryan Braun is the, the big winner. I kind of want to make a cartoon graphic where there were eight pizzas for every NL team, and now there are nine, and I'm going to you know, give the pizzas to each person accordingly. <laughs> you cut pizzas and share them and whatnot. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about the Cardinals for a moment. A team with a stupid, bad outfield, uh, but still plenty of depth like most teams where you can kind of see how they might go about it. Here I, I wonder, I mean, Dylan Carlson we've talked about before. He's going to play probably right away when this season begins is Tyler O'Neill the first guy to, to benefit from this is Matt Carpenter not having to play defense maybe a big winner here I mean like I think that's at oh. least in play for them is to say hey you know what we're going to play Tommy Edmond at third base for the defense and Matt Carpenter is going to be our primary DH yeah, you know, from what I gathered Matt Carpenter had a month and this is when we had 6 months had a month or two to prove that last year was not the end um, before Edmund would basically take over full-time at third base. Um, I wonder what uh, shortened season plus DH is a very interesting combination because shortened season would say, oh, now he's got three weeks or something, you know, and uh, and good luck. Uh, but with the DH, we have place to stick him. What's the outfield with Carlson, O'Neill, and Bader in it? Who am I missing? Fowler. Fowler, yeah. And he still owed a lot of money, so it just seems like they're going to play him at least frequently, if not almost all the time. You'd have to think that Edmund and Carpenter win. Because now you basically start Edmund at third, get the defense from him, start Carpenter at DH. 
slight slight win for O'Neal maybe, but I doubt I doubt you're taking O'Neal who has these prodigious tools uh, and and sticking him at DH. This doesn't make any sense. Yeah, Carlson and Bader have defensive value. Fowler has defensive value. I think you just have like a four man rotation in the outfield. That's fine. You have a four man rotation in the outfield. Carpenter starts at uh, DH and Edmund starts at uh, at third. And then what happens is if Carpenter's not hitting, you can start transferring some of his plate appearances to an outfielder. Yeah, maybe Tyler O'Neill ends up picking up the extra playing time in that scenario, but Carpenter first just looks a lot more stable in this, uh, this development. Uh, the Cubs are, are a little bit interesting because they've they added Jason Kipnis to the mix at second base, you know, Nico Horner still there kind of vying for playing time. Kyle Schwarber's defense has improved. So you kind of wonder, would they just make him the regular DH? Would they make him a part-time DH part-time left fielder? Uh, as I move the pieces around here in my head, I mean, they, they like Victor Caratini as a hitter a little bit, so maybe they would let him catch a little more and, and take some wear and tear off of Wilson Contreras. Like, this looks more like a team that doesn't have one big winner. This looks like a team that has four or five guys who all play a little extra. You know, I have an interesting thought just now. This is a team that is struggling with the cash. And is trying to stay under two hundred million, and their estimated payroll right now is one ninety five, uh, and their estimated final twenty nineteen was two twenty two. They might make a decision based on keeping someone cheaper. However, wow, twenty twenty one is the final season for Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, and Kyle Schwarber. Yeah, the band's breaking up soon. Wow. And I don't I don't know, Koshwar was already seven million dollars. I had this idea, like, he's already seven million dollars for this year. What if you put him in DH and keep him a little bit cheaper for twenty twenty one? But it's just one year. And he's a free agent after that. Uh, and then what's the outfield? If they if they put Koshwar at DH, you've got you're starting Almora. Either start Elmora or Steven Souza against righties. Yeah, because you're, you're already playing Ian Happ. Assuming you're playing him in center field. That's that's my assumption. But then yeah, but that's a kind of a iffy outfield man. Elmora, Hayward, Happ. Ugh. Yeah, it's not, it's not great. Sometimes. It's not a great outfield. At least, I mean, defensively it could be okay, but offensively it's pretty poor. Uh, but I guess then you'd have Schwarber at DH. So you'd still have the hitter in the lineup. Um, it's it's isn't it weird how a team that's so good and still projected to be near the top of their division seems to have so many holes. It's just a weaker outfield than you'd expect for a contending team. But I guess if you look at the Cardinals outfield that we just talked about, O'Neill, Bader, Fowler, that's still I mean that's that's worse. But but like with the Bader's arrows the going, defender. the arrows are going the right way at least. And Dylan Carlson changes that a lot of that, so right, closes yeah. the gap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess there's holes all around. There's holes all around, I guess. But I think this is just a, a total mess. This is four to five guys who all pick up a little extra playing time. I don't see one major winner in all Sousa of this. Souza could be a winner. He can play more now. 
I guess if I had to pick a biggest winner in that outfield mix, he would be that guy. Because I think now there's a chance he's not just a small side platoon guy. Yeah. Whereas previously, that's where he was capped. But compared to the other players we've talked about, his gains so far are the smallest of this bunch. The Black Tux believes every groom deserves a better experience when it comes to finding formal wear, a suit or tuxedo, for their big day. Did you know the Black Tux was actually started by two guys who had one of the worst tuxedo fittings you could imagine? turns out they aren't alone in this frustration. Just listen to these one-star reviews from competitor tuck shops that shall not be named. Go elsewhere. This place is terrible, unless you're dressing like your grandpa for Halloween. We felt weird buying a suit from somebody so unhappy. We were afraid his bad vibes might follow us to our wedding day, so we left. What I love about the Black Tux is that they have an easy online ordering process that brings your suit or tuxedo straight to you. Just pick a style at theblacktux.com and request a free home try-on so you can feel the fit and quality before you commit. And if online isn't your style, the Black Tux has showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look. From there, they'll ship your order two weeks before your wedding so you can check it one last time. Talk about commitment. Whether you're buying your outfit or looking to rent, you won't find a formal wear experience or designs like the ones you'll find at the Black Tux. If you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons, order your suit or tuxedo at theblacktux.com and enjoy 10% off with the code DRAFT. That's theblacktux.com, code DRAFT for 10% off your purchase. The Black Tux, formal wear for the moment. Uh, let's take a look at the D-backs. This is another team, you can look at them, you can kind of see pretty clear patterns of how they're going to make it work, but I think Jake Lamb and Christian Walker platooning at first base is tricky because Walker was good last year. And Jake Lamb wasn't. So I think mm. having the DH spot, maybe Jake Lamb ends up getting more opportunities to play than he would have without it. I think he's probably the guy on the big side of a platoon, and maybe they squeeze in you know, an extra righty off the bench, uh, like a Tim Locastro type, and then float it where somebody who was ordinarily in the outfield on those days ends up DHing to rest. But to me, it looks like Jake Lamb... And maybe Josh Rojas are That's, two guys yeah. that can play a lot more. I think basically Josh, uh, Jake Lamb and Josh Rojas are the guys right now on the outs that have the most upside. And this team is the kind of is is the high variance team. It's the we we built an eighty four win team that could win ninety. And so what they would do is uh, try to capture lightning in the bottle with Lamb or Rojas and just use DH to kind of see what's going on, you know, to, to give them more at bats to those two guys and see if one of them, because if one of them can really step forward, then you can push Ahmed and Kelly uh, closer to the bottom lineup. And then this becomes a really credible lineup. I mean, this basically the seven, eight, nine for this team might be Cole Calhoun, uh, Nick Ahmed, uh, Carson Kelly, which is okay for the NL team. They have a couple prospects who would be a bit more interesting, though, too. I mean, Dalton Varsho maybe isn't that far away. Kevin Crone Crone, murders baseballs. And he's he's very redundant without the DH with Christian Walker there. But with the DH, at the very least, he could be a small side platoon partner for someone like Lam or Rojas. If we have a spring and we know that there's a DH coming for everybody, I think this is one of the places that uh, there's opportunity. I think that somebody might play their way into that role. And it could be Crone, it could be Rojas, and it could be Lamb. And it's, you know, that's worth an article by itself, I think. There's that's at least worth some attention for, for fancy players. Yeah, I've 
got something in mind for this situation and this is a preliminary conversation to really work through it and try to figure out if we're underappreciating anybody as we look team by team. The Dodgers mentioned them at the top. They have so much depth. I mean, this is a, a net win for their offense because they've got so many players. Uh, I think A.J. Pollock, who yeah. looks like a small side platoon guy, is probably the biggest winner, but I could see this really being the thing that starts to propel Gavin Lux's ADP up once we get closer to the start of the season. It makes everyone safer, for sure. Uh, so, you know, It's just an extra... Uh, 600 plate appearances to dole out, probably mostly between Lux and Beatty and Pollock, maybe some Peterson. Uh, but I think those three, you know, Enrique Hernandez is currently number one on this. But in terms of Woba, uh, projected Woba, uh, Pollock and Peterson are ahead of Enrique. Matt Beatty's tight with him. And I'm not 100% sure that I know exactly which way the arrow is pointing on Kike's uh, career or just like his offense. Uh, you know, he had some, he had a good year in 2018, but he didn't really follow it up with, uh, you know, he, he, he lost gains that he made in strikeout rate and walk rate and power. Um, and, and it's certainly possible that he is just a part-time player. A good one, a really good one. But that that's not the kind of person where you're like, we need to get that bat in the lineup. That's why he's the top of the DH thing because he's the utility guy right now and there is no DH in the NL. But I think if there was a DH, they would think about whose bat do we need to get in the lineup. So I guess you Enrique could still win because you might play Muncie at DH. But if you played Muncie at DH, Lux is going to start at second, right? Yeah, exactly. Like that's if you play Peterson at DH, Pollock is going to play in the outfield. So I think Enrique actually may not see many more plate appearances because he's still going to just be the kind of plug and play guy that steps in when someone's hurt or or needs a needs a blow. I think they like him as a small side platoon guy who can play multiple spots. I don't know if they want to push up the playing time unless yeah. there are multiple injuries and they have to. It seems more like Agreed. a a last resort sort of thing for them. So Pollock, probably the biggest winner. Lux becomes a lot safer too. A couple bad teams, or at least one rebuilding team that doesn't seem to have that sort of excess, but will we'll do something interesting with it. I mean, that's the thing about the Giants that I like is that Farhan is turning over every stone, trying to find solutions for the future, right? So you look at this team and they don't have an excess of high quality outfielders. They have Hunter Pence back in there, and I think between playing a little in the outfield and getting to DH, he'd he'd bump up a little bit in playing time. I think he's going to play a good bit anyway. I think it's just a, a mess where you have a handful of guys who are going to get more opportunities who wouldn't have had them, like a Jalen Davis type, or Jalen Davis specifically. Like He might get to play more simply because there, there are more plate appearances available, and you want to give him a look because you want to see if he's part of your future. I, you know, I do like the way that Farhan runs things and I do like the way that they're working. But when I look at this roster, I'm still kind of surprised at how little upside I see. Like, there's just, like, I'd be like, oh, DH, Giants, like, give a chance for a young guy to play. Where's the young guy? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's because their their wave of young players is still a little bit off. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Marco so, Luciano's not knocking on the door right now. 
uh, Joey Bart's not getting that call. Hunter Bishop, Elliot Ramos, uh, Luis Matos. Like they have good prospects, but they're two plus years away. Yeah. And Jalen Davis just really hits the ball on the ground. 68% ground ball rate last year. Uh, and followed, you know, other than AAA for the Giants, mostly 50s uh, in the minor leagues. So I, I don't know. I don't know. There's a there's one projection. ATC has Jalen Davis hitting 245 with above league average power. Um, you know, somebody that would steal five to seven bags along with uh, maybe 20 homers in a full season. I think that's a deep league, interesting line. But I, ho- I have to point out, that's the best projection out of the five they have on Fangraphs. And the others have worse batting averages and less power. So, um, I and that's, that's where I sort of point to is like, oh, you know, somebody could play a lot more. Pence, I think, was going to play just because they need to have a, a credible outfielder on the field at, at all times. Um, but uh, I guess the way it is, they'll probably just stick Pence in as more or less the everyday DH um, with, uh, with maybe with Wilmer Flores, although they're both right-handers, right? Yeah, they're both righties. You know, one thing that I, I want to just bring up real quick with the Giants, we talked about the park factors, and we know Oracle is just so difficult for left-handed power hitters it's extremely pitcher friendly take the giants out of oracle and brandon belt sure does become a lot more interesting and alex dickerson in really deep mixed leagues if he's going to get more playing time he at least has a chance now of of surprising and uh, mike stremsky who i think people barely talk about maybe because they can't pronounce his name (laughs) um he's one of those guys that becomes more interesting to me too not having to play potentially in oracle park this season yeah, but the biggest acquisition that Farhan has put together on this field is Mauricio Dubon, and I mean, I think he's like uh, worse Joe Panic, at least offensively. Defensively, he might be better than Joe Panic, probably a shortstop, but doesn't look like a league average player to me. I'm still not quite sure what to make of him. I uh, I think some of the speed we saw in the minors probably doesn't show up at that same level against better pitchers and catchers, but there's a little bit of punch. There's definitely some speed. There appears to be a decent hit tool, and there's at least opportunity. I think he might be one of those guys who turns in better fantasy numbers than he should because of the team that he's playing on. And yeah. And in those a, players tend to be good. And in a deep league, I actually I kind of flip and be like, well, he should play. And, you know, deep leagues I, I value playing time. Uh, over over ability almost. <laughs> <laughs> it, it helps though. Like he often, just getting the most at bats. I think he'll the most innings pitched will win. He'll start playing against righties at shortstop this year, uh, as they start to move on to the post Brandon Crawford era. So if he's going to take uh, shortstop away from Crawford against righties, um, then Flores will play second base against righties. I mean, against uh, lefties, and Hunter Pence can DH. So that's the versus lefty situation. And then against righties, I think Dubon will play uh, some second base, um, and Flores will be relegated to backing up third and DH. 
And I wonder if they'll just throw one of the righties out there against righties in left field and let Alex Dickerson be the, the DH against right-handed starters. That might be the way they sort of adjust. And, and the outfield, yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't look like Flores gets a ton of playing time unless he just starts taking it away from Dubon. Yeah, I guess if they kept Dickerson in the outfield against righties, they could just unlock DH for Flores and see what he does against same-handed pitching. Yeah. It's on the list, but definitely one of the more tricky situations to figure it's out. Weird ass depth chart, if you ask me, dude. It is. I think it's one. Of, I think it's a punt. It's a. It's a. We're doing our best to look like we're doing stuff, but we're really just waiting for the for the young players to come up. Yeah, I. I think they're pretty excited about that core, though, as they should be. Top performers in business and sports often attribute their success to their morning routine, whether it's waking up early, setting their goals for the day, exercise, or meditation. But not everyone has the time to do it all. With Hydrant, you can jumpstart your mornings. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There's no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com, enter the promo code RATES at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com, enter promo code RATES for 25% off your first order. Drinkhydrant.com, and enter promo code RATES. Okay, let's talk about the Marlins for a second. This is a team that... Oh, do we have to? Like the Giants kind of has these funny pockets of guys stuck in a role right now. They brought in Corey Dickerson. So he's probably going to play a lot in left field, or maybe he'll be the DH against righties now, so you don't have to have his defense out there. But I keep looking for clear winners. If they keep Matt Kemp, then Corey Dickerson and Matt Kemp DH, and you know Magniri Sierra or... Lewis Brinson or Monty Harrison, like some of the young outfielders can play more because of this. So I guess it's exciting in that regard because it should open up playing time for someone who was previously going to get stuck at least to begin the season at AAA. You know, I don't know if it's just like, uh, you could call it like fatigue bias. (laughs) Fatigue bias, Uh, nice. But I'm like a little bit more excited about Monty Harrison than than Lewis Brinson, uh, just because Lewis Brinson's now gotten to age 25 and really hasn't gotten it going. Um, and, uh, like Monty Harrison is only a year younger, but just, he hasn't had all those chances and and blown them yet. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but that said, the best projection on Monty Harrison's page is for a 224 average with league average power and some, and some speed and all the rest have worse batting averages. So I don't know who are we rooting for here. I mean, rooting for, I mean, Matt Joyce could be okay. I guess the corpse of Matt Kemp could be okay. I'm rooting for Harrison. I, I, I think what we saw from him at AAA last year in a partial season was good enough to make me encouraged. Stolen bases are really hard to find. He can contribute that. I think he's shown the ability to take some walks, which bodes really well for his chances of actually sticking possibly in a prominent spot in the lineup in the long run as well. So I think he's the guy that I'm really rooting for in this. And I just think it's 
moving a couple pieces around that that gets him there. Maybe having a DH that could be weird to DH Jonathan VR. Like he's athletic enough to play defense, so not not putting him on the field at all seems strange. But at the same time, you shouldn't block someone in their early 20s with someone who's probably not going to be on your next great team. So maybe that's one way to look at it too. What a terrible team. It's just, it's sad because they had so much talent. They traded away so much talent. And I'm like, where's the, like Brian, Ander- how did they get Brian Anderson? They drafted him. He's their own. No. Mm-hmm. Is he? Pretty sure, yeah. I think yeah. I saw him in the fall league a couple of years ago. So their ago. best player is a guy they drafted on their own. <laughs> Third rounder, 2014. And all those trades, and Isan Diaz is, I guess Jorge Alfaro has been all right. Jorge Alfaro is pretty good. Yeah, but, and I think what's going to be important for them is they need some wins way after the fact with anybody from the Yelich trade. Yeah. Uh, they need Sixto Sanchez to be healthy and good. They need the Jazz, his, Jazz Chisholm thing to work out. I guess Diaz looks interesting, dude. Diaz looks kind of interesting. If he comes back and doesn't strike out 30% of the time, even if he gets it only down to like 25, 26, okay. Diaz looks like he could maybe be an everyday player, like a league average player. I think he's going to be okay. I think Lewin okay. Diaz is also interesting. Oh yeah, I think he might be the prospect in this case who directly could. But he came over in jump. like a tiny trade, like Romo or something. Or yeah, they got him from the Twins for something not big. But I mean, I really like Diaz's combination of strikeout rate and power numbers. Looks great. Leaps off the page for me. Twenty three years old, lefty. Like I'm, I'm. You know, I've had Leon Diaz on my dynasty teams on and off. Uh, he's like kind of borderline because nobody wants to put him on their top 100 list or whatever. So he doesn't have much trade value. But like if I was a rebuilding team, I'd find a spot for Leon Diaz on my team for sure. Yeah, just, I mean, he struggles in prospect rankings, I think, because a player like that has to hit so much to actually stick. It's the Jordan Alvarez problem for sure. And a lot of times, even as fancy players were using uh, people who are ranking prospects not based on their fantasy value to yeah. as guideposts. So, you know, yes, I can see why Jordan Alvarez was not ranked super highly among people who are talking about his war potential, basically. But for in fantasy reasons, he should have been a top prospect all the way, all the way to the, t- you know, all the way along. So, Diaz is not necessary. I'm not calling Diaz Jordan Alvarez. Please don't quote me on that. But just, you know, in terms of like what his bat does, in terms of his ground ball, fly ball mix, uh, his strikeout rate, like I'm interested in for him for sure. Let's talk about the Mets. They have a few ways to make this work. The big one is it would leave Yoannis Cespedes a place to play. And if you put Cespedes as your DH, you've got J.D. Davis playing left field which would be good, right? I mean, is that the simple answer here? The Mets could really use this. Yeah, J.D. Davis uh, is a bat in search of a position um, himself. But uh, just the fact that if Yo comes back and he's he's trying to you know claw back some of that, that money on that contract he lost, um, you know, I, I think that's a, a fair amount of 
motivation for Yo. There's a lot of incentive-laden clauses in that thing now after he uh, hurt himself on his on his ranch. So I think Yo wants to come back, and DH is waiting for him, basically. And with Dominic Smith, they already have another player that could play there. So like you open the season with Dominic Smith and J.D. Davis kind of splitting an outfield spot and a DH spot. Um, and then if Yo comes up, either you demote Smith because he still has options or somebody's hurt by then and you move things around. Yeah, I think you could also DH Cano a little bit, play McNeil at second, play J.D. Davis at third on those days. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've got pretty good depth, but uh, I do see Cespedes as the most likely player to actually benefit from this because it's hard to imagine him playing a ton in the outfield and this really erases that problem. Oh, look at this update. Rotowire News. Cespedes ankle would be the most likely candidate on the Mets to handle designated hitter duties if the DH is implemented universally. <laughs> there you go. This, this was a season for Cespedes with that rule change. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's talk about the Nationals for a minute. Cespedes for the rest of us. <laughs> the Nationals. I think you mentioned before they have a few old guys who could really just benefit from not having to play the field. Howie Kendrick can still hit. We saw that last year. Uh, I think in all of this, if you open up one more infield spot, we stop asking the question, where does Carter Keboom play? You know, I think he's the guy that is the net winner, even oh. if it's the old guys who are DHing. Hmm, I was going to call Eric Thames the winner because I would say the Rodney, Rodney Zimmerman. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's, I wonder who Rodney Zimmerman is. <laughs> Oh my god, I love this alternate universe. So Rodney Zimmerman uh, switches to DH with Howie Kendrick and they just really split it off. I mean, aren't they lefty-righty? Yeah. So you've got, you know, a lefty-righty combination there. Howie has maybe a little bit more defensive value, possibly. uh, So he can get out there and push Castro to third sometimes. Uh, So it's Castro, Cabrera, Kendrick at second and third. Hendrick and Zimmerman at DH. Thames is basically a full-time first baseman, or at least full-time lefty first baseman, and you still don't necessarily need to put Keeboom on the roster. So could still be squeezed, but I don't know. I think he's the he's the bat who can play a lot more in this situation. It is. It's got to be a net positive for him. It's a little bit. Uh, it's not like Gavin Lux. Where Lux is a little bit more in control of a position, but it's a little bit like that where. He's a little bit more likely to get more playing time this year. Let's go to the Padres. Is this the Josh Naylor opportunity? Is this the Franchi Cordero opportunity? I mean, mm. Franchi's tooled up, not a good defender really anywhere. That kind of makes me think he's the first choice to possibly do that. I think it's it's kind of interesting that they don't. I guess Ty France could platoon with him in that DH role. They could use Dozier there if they want to have Dozier and Profar in the lineup on the same day. You know, given how you know, Profar uh, showed up in my defense uh, article as, as I didn't realize this, but maybe 30 defender. So, you know, I think that with th- that second base spot being such a, an eyesore, such a, a problem, that I think you do want to have a roster that starts opening day with Profar and Dozier, almost like lottery ticket style, where you're like, one of these guys is going to be fine at second base. But the other guy doesn't necessarily hit enough to, to be our DH, right? So I think Provar and Dozier make the team, but uh, the DH is Will Myers and and Josh Naylor. Hmm. And the and outfield Frenchy moves around a little bit. Fam Grisham Cordero. And it's Fam Grisham Cordero. 
uh, left to right, and uh, DH is uh, Myers and Naylor. Of course, that means that Cordero is going to come off the field sometimes. Right, but then you so you're basically taking the current right field situation, at least based on yeah. the wire depth chart, and moving like that, to that at DH and then just bumping Cordero into the big side of. And I know, I know personally that there are people inside that organization that really, really like Franchi. And the Frenchman can, if it comes to hitting the ball hard, running hard, throwing the ball hard. So he's definitely a, an athletic kind of wunderkind type that they're just like, can he just make a little bit more contact? And there was a little bit of help, hope in the air uh, given his winter, winter league stats. I don't know. I don't even know where to find those. Need Baseball reference, I think. I don't think so. No? Baseball America? Where have I looked those up before? I've definitely looked them up before. Oh, there's a... Oh, I think there's... Maybe on Baseball Reference. Maybe you're right. Um, let's see here. 2019 Escogido. Escogido in the Dowell. Dominican Winter League. 364, 462, 576, but more importantly, 12 strikeouts against six walks in 39 PA. Eh, still yeah. fair amount of strikeouts. <laughs> yeah, that slash line was nice, but yeah. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm really going to make a leap off of the, the low, low-ish, know, lower man. strikeout rate. It's always been one where I've been like, yeah, I can see what you're saying, but I'm not sure about it. I, uh, I, yes, he's an athlete. Um, it's a big boomer bust pick there. I think that Naylor is a little bit more safe as like a Naylor. Uh, Naylor and Myers get a little bit more of a bump. And Cordero, who's like kind of a boomer bust, best ball type, you know, deep league best ball type pick. Um, he His chances get better, but that doesn't mean that like he's either going to play or not, I think. You know, it's not going to be one of those things where they're like sort of, we need him in there for his defense. No, I think it'll be like either he something clicks and he plays a lot and Naylor and Myers share DH or he's maybe not even on the roster. Yeah, could be. Uh, let's go to the Phillies real quick. Uh, Jay Bruce, probably the guy that plays more. McCutcheon should be healthy, so he should have an outfield spot to call his own. Not having Jay Bruce play defense seems like a good choice. <laughs> that's a good idea. So he platoons with maybe Logan Oh, he's a Logan clear Forsyth. winner, dude. He's a clear winner. Yeah, he actually gets play, a lot of playing time, whereas I think before this possibility... He was a bat off the bench. NL only was probably the only yeah. format where I would have thought about picking him up. Yeah. Logan Forsyth doesn't show up on the Fangraphs chart, but they, they have him in camp. Right? Oh, there he is, the very bottom of the second base. Yeah, I think I think Forsyth will make it because they'll want someone to be able to back up second since Kingery is probably going to be the starter in at third and can also play center. So uh, Kingery's moving all around. But I think this is a little bit of a small arrow on Hazley, who I kind of like as a sleeper. Just, you know, more chances for him to play and more chances, you know, more at-bats for everybody. But um, I like Hazley as a... Guy who could be maybe league average with the bat, league average with the defense, you know, uh, hit 260 with, you know, 20 homers and 10 stolen bases. Like, I think he's he's okay. Yeah, I think he could be passable, maybe for deep mixed leagues occasionally, but definitely going to play enough to where I'm more interested in 
even deeper formats like NL only leagues mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, the Pirates don't benefit at all from this. Uh, <laughs> like, they, they just don't have enough hitters to even field a normal team. <laughs> right. I mean, they can, they can do the Brian Hayes thing at third base. And <gasps> oh, then, no, my dude. Dude, nobody else is on this dude. I'm calling right. him my dude. Jose Osuna. Yeah, I don't really hear anybody else talking about him. I think you can claim him as, as your dude. Woo! And and people are going to just love that 265 average with mm, 22 home runs. Yes! Can you feel it? Well, that's... I mean, hey, even if you prorate that, that's a that's a, not a bad player. <laughs> well, and also that's... Uh, that's in Pittsburgh, which is a bad hitters park. So uh, potential in Arizona to to, but of course everybody I know understand how things work. You know everybody <laughs> raises up. I do wonder if in the Arizona thing, who plays if the Diamondbacks play in Chase, like and keep that as as is it Chase? No, what's it yeah. called? Yeah, Chase. Chase if they if they call that home and play in it more than anybody else. The Diamondbacks get screwed more than anybody else in terms of offensive statistics. Just because they're already in their normal. They will be the biggest pitcher's park in the league. Yeah. That would be hmm. so strange. What a, what, a, what a reversal of fortune it would be for, for that field. Yeah, that would be strange how it's so different relative to the other parks that would be in use. Uh, last two teams, we got to hustle through them. Reds, okay. we've talked about them having way too many players for a long time. Oh, that's great. So. R.S. is Aquino, big winner. Not going to get demoted, so I think he's yeah. the clear-cut guy. Rockies, I mean, the Ryan McMahon, Garrett Hampson problem basically goes away, or Sam Hilliard can play every day, oh, right? Like they, Hilliard, baby. Yeah, I, oh. I love, I love this for the Rockies because they need one more spot. Yeah, they could use it. They could use it. It's a, it's a big up arrow for McMahon and Hilliard, uh, just by by the way they'll move things around because Hampson can even play the outfield, so. They'll they'll figure that one out. Uh, I I I I hesitate to give Hampson a big winner status on this though because they just don't seem that interested in playing him all that much. I think he's their Kike or something. I don't know. I think Brendan Rodgers gets a nudge as well. So just another thing to keep in mind. Uh, we did have a lot of mailbag questions that came in again. We're gonna have to push those Talk back. Too much, damn it. Yeah, there was a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Yeah, so. that's true. Hey, that was that we felt. I got I got a little of those hope tingles, you know, like, ooh, we're talking <laughs> about season again. Let's get more of that. Feels really good, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, if you're enjoying the show on a platform that allows you to rate and review it, please take a moment to do that. We greatly appreciate it. Tell your friends as well if you think they would enjoy the show. If you don't have a subscription to The Athletic, you can get a free 90-day trial at theathletic.com slash free 90 days. If you're in a position to support the site with a paid subscription, you can get 40% off at theathletic.com slash rates and barrels. As always, you can reach us via email at rates and barrels at theathletic.com. If you want to go that route, just spell out the word and. That is going to wrap things up for this episode of Rates and Barrels. We are back with you on Thursday. Thanks for listening. 